We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name is Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. And I am tuning in really quickly. Baker Mayfield just threw a a deep pass to Van Jefferson for the touchdown to tie the game up against the Las Vegas Raiders with nine seconds left. And I believe that's just based purely off the touchdown. Um, If I'm not mistaken, the Rams are going to kick an extra point right now to go up 17-16. Yep, there it is against the Raiders with 10 seconds left. Oh, my goodness. And I'm not sure whether to feel great for Baker Mayfield or bad for the Raiders. I think this is probably more of an indictment of the Raiders than it is anyone else who look like they're about to lose 17-16 to the 3-9 and nine Rams who are fielding a Baker Mayfield that was just claimed two days ago, I believe on Wednesday. <laughs> so, like, damn. I know 49ers fans don't want to see the Rams lose, but there's just something incredibly embarrassing about this for the Raiders who only managed, I believe had a 13 to three lead going into half or coming out of halftime. And they're going to lose 17, 16 to the horrible ass Rams fielding a brand new Baker Mayfield, man. I saw most of this game. I came in to record the podcast right around the, uh, I'd say the midway midway point of the third quarter, right after the Rams had scored their second touchdown. Wow. I'm just staring at the little ESPN's uh, virtual game where they have the field and the ball going back and forth. Anyways, that's that's going to be a fun one to see talked about tomorrow because that's crazy. That's, that's, that's wild. 
Derek Carr with 11 and 19 for 137 yards and an interception. <laughs> Man, come on, DC. You got to represent the uh, the Bulldogs a little better than that. Anyway, so one of the coolest things that's happened to this podcast in a while, if you ask me. Now, I feel like throughout this season with the takeaways, with everything we've been doing, you know, almost like hiring you guys to be my co-host. <laughs> um. I just feel like we've been building a little bit of momentum, building a little bit of love, building a little bit of community. You know what I mean? And, you know, I'm hearing from everybody on Twitter constantly, you know, the takeaways where I'm getting shout outs from Michael McVay every day before the game. You know, we're talking AEW. We're talking music. I'm embarrassing myself with Metallica call outs, but I, I fixed it. OK, if you didn't stay until the end of last week's pot or, or earlier not last week's. I guess technically it was last week. And oh, if you didn't stay until the end of last podcast, I, I recorded an extra section that got butted up right up against the end of the pod where I was apologizing for embarrassing myself and not knowing the difference between Enter Sandman and For Whom the Bell Tolls. But both great songs. Who are we kidding? Okay, so cool things to happen to the pod. One of the things I said in the last podcast was, look, I'm a huge fan of Dr. Disrespect. And then Derek Carr's first pass of the half is intercept. First, first pass of their whatever drive they were going to attempt uh, to get into field goal range in ten seconds is intercepted. That game's over. The Rams have beaten the Raiders seventeen sixteen. Damn, Baker Mayfield kneels for minus one yards, and that's the end of the game. <laughs> oh man, that's going to be a fun one to hear. There's just going to be a lot of people talking about this one tomorrow. So. Um, I, one of the things I said on the pod was, look, Dr. Disrespect, I'm a huge fan. He's hilarious. He is a massive 49ers fan, and I think that he is worthy of your guys' support. And obviously, if you don't like watching video game streamers, if you don't care about video games, that's kind of the root of what Doc does. Um, but he's a, an incredible personality that puts so much time and energy into his production value. It's unbelievable. And from an artist the stuff he does on stream is so streamlined and, and, and quality. It's it's just, it's almost like watching a show. And I told you guys, I was like, look, if you're really feeling it, go into Doc's stream, leave him a donation, and tell him I sent you. And and just to further emphasize how much dark, dark, dark Doc has a, a, a place in this household, when I'm not here... And I try to watch Doc while I'm at work, but I'm, I'm teaching a class and he doesn't have the cleanest mouth, so I can't put him on in class. And I, you know, I can't really watch him while I'm teaching. But the missus will be here at home and she will watch him just like I would if I were here. And, and, if, and if I think she's busy, I'll text her and let her know that he's on and she'll do the same to me. And so she was watching Doc on Wednesday and just watching him do his thing. And then out of nowhere, Doc says, Michael Salasas with the 999. Rob from Striking Gold sent me. Let's go Niners. That was the donation. I tweeted it. I tweeted it out. I tweeted the clip out. I said I've got the best listeners ever. And that was just something else. Just seeing. I didn't necessarily expect any of you guys to to follow through. You know, I I hope you check him out. But to see Michael Salasas come through, um, hopefully neither of us are, are... butchering your name and jump on there leave doc because whenever you leave doc a donation he reads your message and that's what he put 
Rob from Striking Gold sent me Let's Go Niners. And that is just fucking cool, man. Doc is like, he's, you know, like I said, huge Doc fan. And to hear him read that on his stream, knowing he's a big 49ers fan. And we've kind of gone back and forth on Twitter, little, little things here and there. But, I mean, that was freaking cool. And again, when it comes to listeners, when it comes to community, when it comes to you and I going back and forth, I feel like we got a little something going here. And to, to hear that was just, I mean, that was just freaking cool, man. So shout out to Michael Salasas. That's how Doc says it. Michael Salasas, because he's uh, Doc's from, lives in the uh, San Diego-ish area. He's a decent Spanish speaker, so he's always, he always likes saying uh, Mexican Spanish names, and he, he really let it roll with that one. And um, I mean, that's just cool, man. So again, shout out to Michael. I appreciate that, dude. It was here. It was cool. Really, really cool uh, hearing that read on Doc's stream. So anyways, let's keep rolling. Another, uh, another, no, I was about to say another cool thing that happened. Not cool. Obviously, now we know that Jimmy Garoppolo is, uh, has broken his foot and he's expected to miss the rec- rest of the leg- regular season. And then it kind of came out that, you know, wait, 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 Jimmy Garoppolo's foot injury isn't as bad as we thought it was. He's not going to need surgery. He can possibly, you know, maybe his recovery time is closer to seven, eight weeks. And that would put the 49ers right at about the NFC championship game. Slash Super Bowl. And, you know, that I mean, that's just a wild story to embrace from so many levels. But one of the things that Kyle Shanahan said was, look, like, I get that that's exciting. 78 weeks, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo making this triumphant playoff return to 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 navigate us through the NFC championship game or the, uh, you know, the Super Bowl. But he may be clear that that is Jimmy Garoppolo's time to heal. Like his, he would be fully recovered from his foot injury, but play not necessarily stepping straight onto the football field to play, you know? And so a little bit of a damper for that. And and obviously the, the elephant in the room with that whole statement is, is like, look, if, if Brock Purdy has somehow found a way to take this team to the NFC championship game or to the Super Bowl. Do you think it's probably the smartest move to trot Jimmy Garoppolo back out there? You know, a quarterback who's coming off of an injury? Probably not. Not when, again, it depends on what it looks like. But if 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 Brock is taking you that far, you're probably going to keep riding with Brock. You know, like it, that's just the the reality of it. But so although it was a cool talking point, it, it just seems like, you know, and as, and as heartbreaking as it is, I, I the thing that I've loved is I've seen so much respect on social media for Jimmy Garoppolo. I think it's, it's, he's still so undervalued in terms of what he, is he the perfect quarterback? Absolutely not. He's been great. He's been terrible. He's been everything in between, but I still think his impact on this organization has been so undervalued. The guy, think about where we were in 2017 with, with Brian Hoyer and Jimmy Garoppolo and C.J. Beathard. Then Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and just completely changes the organization. And, you know, who's willing to come here and what the team was capable of achieving. And and what's been nice is since this injury, it just seems there's been, from what I've seen, this kind of outpouring of support for Jimmy G and everything he's done. And obviously he was playing a terrific brand of football this year. Um, so it's really unfortunate that he's out. But you kind of – you got to move on. You got to you got to roll on. It's it's Brock Purdy time, and let's see what the, the big boys got. But it's um it's been cool to see him finally, even though it might be a little too little too late. It's been cool to see Garoppolo finally get a little bit of love that I think he's always deserved. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're thinking he's the greatest quarterback and 
you know, all his QB wins are all, it's, you know what, it's not, it's not about that, but it's just been cool to see him get a little, get a little appreciation. Obviously, as you can tell, the Rams did, since we last talked, the Rams did, Baker Mayfield was released, requested a release from the Panthers. They obliged, they released him. And, you know, a lot of people were saying that should be the move for the 49ers, not that they would necessarily get the opportunity. Uh, My only tweet on the matter was when it was announced that he was released, all I put was no. I never thought Baker Mayfield was was or should be a, a target for the 49ers for many reasons. I mean, you're talking about a guy that was a former first overall pick, didn't work out with the Browns, traded away from the Browns, wasn't didn't even make it a full season with the Panthers, and then he was released. And so it's just it 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 was always obvious to me that that's not the road you want to go down. But the Rams were in a much different position than the 49ers. Their season is essentially done. Uh, I don't know if it's is it mathematically done because they just beat the Raiders, uh, and it would be funny if they still had some way of of progressing. Uh, Matthew Stafford's season is over. Uh, he's been put on injured reserve and it seems like maybe the Rams and Matthew Stafford might be parting ways after this season. Maybe sort of, I've also heard rumblings of the Rams coaching staff getting ready to go at separate ways. I don't know if, if the Rams are really going to implode that fast. That seems a little wild, but Baker Mayfield seemed like a common sense addition for the Rams. Somebody that could come in and either be a quality backup to Matthew Stafford or just kind of be somebody that they could groom to take that role. And if today was any indication, he might have some sort of a future there because for him to come in and in, in a matter of basically 24 hours worth of being with the team, uh, somehow engineering a 17-point performance against the Raiders in last-second fashion is uh, you know scoring two touchdowns in the second half to win the game. That's kind of impressive. But in terms of the 49ers, no thank you. It doesn't seem like a good fit for what the 49ers locker room is all about. I know there's quite a few people in that 49ers locker room that aren't fans. Now that it's a lot of these, these guys are pros. They can overlook that stuff, but the Baker Mayfield thing never seemed like it was going to fly as a quarterback. Is he an upgrade over Brock Purdy? I think common sense tells you yes, very much so. Um, But that's not the only part of the gig. And Kyle Shanahan never seemed too interested. He said he would be surprised if the 49ers put in a waiver claim. It turns out they didn't, and the Rams were the only one. So, interesting. So, going into – I mean, this is going to be a short short and sweet pod. I don't think we there's really that much to talk about in terms of what's coming up here. Obviously, Tom Brady's coming to town uh, with the Buccaneers to face the 49ers at Levi's Stadium. Um, one thing I hadn't looked up yet that I'd like to look up while I'm talking to you guys is – the weather. Now, the weather was kind of a thing going into the Dolphins game, but it never ended up materializing. That was a pretty clean game. Let me see, because I believe we've got, in Fresno, we've got some rain on the forecast um, this weekend. So does that mean the same for Santa Clara? Okay, okay, there we go. Uh, 98% chance of rain on Saturday in Santa Clara. And then on Sunday, a 55% chance of rain with scattered thunderstorms. So. Interesting. Obviously, thunderstorms and lightning in terms of football is the only thing that can get a game delayed. But there is a decent chance that it could be kind of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a messy game there against the Bucks, which just off the top of my head makes me feel like that would give the 49ers a little bit of an advantage. 
in terms of how the game would have to play out. Um, in terms of like just breaking down these two teams and what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about the Bucks, uh, their offensive line is not great right now. Their offensive line is reeling. They've got backups on there. Their backup tackle that is apparently like holding on an unbelievable rate. I think he was flagged for holding against the Saints at least three times, and it should have been more than that. Um, I could see this being as almost a repeat for in terms of the Dolphins and what Nick Bosa is able to do against this offensive line. Now, obviously, the caveat to that right now is Nick Bosa has not been practicing. He is has hamstring irritations. He's missed two practices in a row. We'll see where this goes. I'm recording this on a Thursday evening. Friday's when is, is the true test. Is he going to be limited? Is he going to be a game time decision? Is he going to be good to go? Are they just playing it safe? Uh, but that had me thinking, like, to me, like, that had me, how important in the ranking of players, in terms of the 49ers right now and where this team is trying to go this year, where does Nick Bosa fall on the rankings? Because when I was thinking about it, I was like, did Jimmy Garoppolo's injury make Nick Bosa the single most important player on this team, even over Brock Purdy? And that seems a, a little bit of a, you know, you could definitely have an argument there that Brock Purdy is now the most important player on this team. And I would definitely agree with you. Or at the very least, you know, I'm not going to argue it. But, uh, I mean, if you think about it. If, if the 49ers aren't going to win with Jimmy Garoppolo and they're not going to have somebody on offense capable of of pushing them down the field at any moment, and it's not that Jimmy Garoppolo was always consistent at that either, but you know that for them to make up for the fact that they're now starting a third-string quarterback that was drafted drafted last overall, your defense is going to have to be absolutely on fire. And to me, there's no way the 49ers, they can still be very good, but there's no way the 49ers defense can be absolutely on fire without Nick Bosa. So is like Nick Bosa the single most important player on this team now? I, I think you can make an argument for it, just like you could for Purdy. And if there is any chance that he has any sort of an injury that can be inflamed or aggravated or brought on against the Bucks, you can't play him. You know, I, I would not be surprised. I don't think this Bosa injury is serious. I, um, D'Amico Ryan said today that he was good. He was fine. He's doing okay. He didn't, didn't seem overly concerned with it. But if there's any chance that Bosa could take that and worsen it from this game, then I would think they don't plan because his – importance to this team has only been magnified since Garoppolo's injury. So we'll see how that goes. But just a heads up, hasn't been practicing. There's just, when you look at this Bucks team and what they've been doing this year and how they stack up against the 49ers and what the 49ers do, it seems like the Bucks are a decent team. But it really does seem like this 49ers team should kind of be able to roll over them in a weird way because the Buccaneers are good on defense. The 49ers are fielding a third-string quarterback. But on, on offense, in terms of the Buccaneers' offense versus the 49ers' defense, that's when things seem to get a little lopsided. You know, the Buccaneers have been kind of slugging it out all year. You're talking about a, a last-second 17-16 win over the New Orleans Saints. The same Saints that the 49ers shut down. They lost to the Cleveland Browns. They squeaked out a win against Seattle. They beat the Rams by three points. 
They lost to the Ravens. They lost 21-3 to to the Panthers. They lost 20-18 to to Pittsburgh. You know what I mean? Like, they are, are a team that it's just been, when they are winning, they're squeaking by against bad teams. Not that Seattle's necessarily uh, earned the right to be called a bad team, but just getting by there, losing to Cleveland, uh, barely squeaking by the Saints. So it, in terms of what the Buccaneers have been able to do on offense, seems like the 49ers are chomping at the bit. But who's the quarterback? It's Tom Brady. So you're always like, when is this beast going to become unleashed? And it, it, it could be at any moment Tom Brady just engineers an absolute game-wrecking drive. Now, Kyle Posey. He should be host of the podcast until uh, Niners Nation got greedy. And, uh, you know, you hear it all the time, but I'm always going to throw it in there. He put together a great article about breaking down the Buccaneers and kind of where they sit, what they're capable of, where they rank, um, just to rifle off some offensive stats for the Buccaneers that KP came up with. DVOA, basically comparison to the average. They're 16th. They're right in the middle of the road. Uh, Yards per drive, 18th, below average. Points per drive, 25th, among the worst. Turnovers per drive, second. Tom Brady, he's not turning the ball over much. Time of possession per drive, 26th. Another very, very bad stat. Drive success rate, 21st. Don't have, they don't put together drives very often. Um, EPA per play, like, you know, how much, how much quality are you getting out of every play? 19th. Success rate, 17th. Drop back EPA, 12th. Then just drop back success rate, 8th. That doesn't surprise you again. The person dropping back is Tom Brady. Their rushing EPA, 32nd, the worst in the NFL. Their rushing success rate, 29th. So there's really not a lot that this offense is doing well. And then you're considering that they're going up against a 49ers defense that's good at everything, lives in the backfield, good at pressuring the quarterback against a reeling offensive line. That, to me, seems like the biggest mismatch right there. Now, I don't know how... I know the 49ers offense, when things are all humming at a normal pace, should be able to produce against this Tampa Bay Bucks defense. They are great, though. But that doesn't necessarily spark me as a mismatch in terms of, now you start to lean that way with Brock Purdy at quarterback, but something tells me Kyle's going to be able to at least help him along. But and to me, the 49ers defense against this Bucks offense seems like a mismatch. Now, when you think about it, you're like, man, how? They've got Leonard Fournette in the backfield. They've got Rashad White in the backfield. I think Leonard Fournette got injured, but White's looked pretty good. And then you've got Mike Evans. You've got Chris Godwin. Like, you've got great players, but they just haven't been able to put it together. It, it seems like it all starts on that offensive line, their ability to block, their ability to establish a run. And teams can just routinely tee off if you can't run the ball. On the other hand, you've got the Tampa Bay defense, which is solid. You know, their div- the Tampa Bay's offensive stats, their DVOA is 16th on defense. Their DVOA is 8th. Yards per drive, 3rd. Points per drive, 6th. Turnovers per drive, 28th. So they're not forcing turnovers. That's the one stat that really stands out to me. And it, it stood out to KP, too. Plays per drive, 3rd. They're limiting drives. Time of possession per drive, 16th, right around the middle of the road. So it's not that they are forcing, you know, they're still teams are still on offense against them right around the normal amount of time. Drive success rate, 5th. EPA per play, 8th. Success rate, 7th. Drop back EP play, EPA, 7th. You know, these are all stats showing 9th, 10th, that the Bucks defense is above average. They're a top 10 unit in the NFL. 
So Brock Purdy is going to have to earn his money. He's going to have to earn his money. You've got Vita Vea along the interior of the Bucks defensive line, one of the absolute best defensive linemen in the middle in the NFL. You know, where KP kind of identified it a weakness was the linebackers. You know, you've got Levante David and Devin White. Both of them are just playing okay. Devin White has a lot of cloud around him, but this has kind of been a rough year for him. Um, the KP put it great right here. Uh, Levante David has 23 save points. Uh, Devin White has 18 for comparison's sake. Fred Warner has 26. And Greenlaw is second among all linebackers at 40. Dre Greenlaw is having himself a season. Like I said in the last pod, this has been one of those, the, the the game against the Dolphins, and this season has been one of those seasons where it's really got that Patrick willis Devaro bowman vibe where every now and then Bowman was creeping up on Patrick Willis in terms of making plays and seeming like the dominant linebacker. And Dre Greenlaw has seemed like that's his bag. You know, I know Fred Warner's still the man, but Dre Greenlaw has just been, been outstanding, and the 49ers were smart to re-sign him when they did. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You've got Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, all able to kind of put themselves in position to take advantage of those linebackers over the middle. Brock Purdy looks like he likes throwing over the middle. Um, and really that's what it comes down to. You know, I think that the, the Buccaneers defense has a slight advantage on the 49ers offense, given Brock Purdy, uh, maybe Kyle Shanahan, evens that playing field again, but the biggest mismatch in this game to me is the 49ers defense versus the Buccaneers offense, especially against a highly immobile quarterback like Tom Brady. Now, again, nobody plays the position better than Tom Brady, but that entire defensive front knows that they can get after that quarterback and he's not going anywhere. Now Brady maneuvers around the pocket very well, but that to me is the biggest mismatch. Biggest mismatch. Brady is 6 and 0 against quarterbacks making their first start. Heard that on a broadcast I think today. So it'll be interesting to see if the 49ers can make that uh 6 and 1. And again, 
you know, this it seems like this whole game kind of revolves around uh, Brock Purdy, as it should. You know, he's a he's a he's a rookie. He's the last pick of the NFL draft. Mister Irrelevant taken over for Jimmy Garoppolo, who was playing at an outstanding level, and he's taken over a team that's eight and four and, and leading their division and in the hunt for for the playoffs and. You know, I guess with a run could possibly compete for like a first round bye, I think. I don't know. Or didn't they change it to where only the best team in each division gets a first round bye? So maybe not. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reaching there. But, you know, first of all, I don't even know if I want to say it. I, have we all heard this attempt at a, a nickname for, for Brock Purdy, the big something Brock? Big chicken Brock. That's all I'm going to say. This isn't a PG podcast, but I just feel like don't I don't want <laughs> I don't want to go that far. Is it is it a male chicken? Let me let me check. I'm going to look this up. We're going to we're going to dissect this right now. Uh yeah. It is. It's a male chicken. So big male chicken Brock. That's not the actual nickname, but y'all can figure that one out on your own. It's a horrible nickname. I mean, there's no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There's no way around it. Big, big D Nick, you know, that kind of at least had a quick little flow to it, a little punch. But big male chicken Brock, it just, it doesn't have the flow. It's It sounds a little forced, which, pun intended, is is a little funny in and of itself. Um, again, you, can, you guys can get on Twitter, and you probably already know what I'm talking about. But big male chicken Brock just isn't doing it for me. It's just a little too infatuated with the male genitalia for me to to pass the uh, to pass the test. And I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't believe a 49ers player has given him this nickname like somebody gave Nick Mullins back in the day. So it, it, we're just we've jumped the shark a little bit. We're a little too far, and uh, I just I, I'm not offering my stamp approval on the uh, big male chicken Brock uh, nickname. I'm just letting you guys know that you can feel free feel free to use it. Feel free to to have fun with it, but I'm uh, I'm not really buying in to the uh, to the nickname. I, I don't know. What do you guys think? You can, I guess you can let me know on Twitter, but be careful what words you throw around. You might end up like banned or suspended or any of that stuff. When I was talking to uh, KP about this game, uh, to me it seems obvious what the Buccaneers are going to do, and they're going to send the house at Brock Purdy as often as they can. They're going to try and it's a brand new quarterback making his first start. The quickest measure for that in terms of finding success as a defense is to send pressure, keep him off his game, make him get a little bit of happy feet back there, make him worry about who's coming after him, make him identify the blitz and and, and make a play. I think he was, I don't remember what his name. The other quarterback that stepped out of bounds for a safety, just like Jimmy Garoppolo has. Um, I, I can't remember his name. I, that's my bad. I should know it. But one of the keys he said he saw from Brock, Brock Purdy against the Dolphins was identify the blitz, target your hot your hot reads. You know, with every, usually with every pass play, if you're if the quarterback can identify a blitz and slide his protection and move things around, there's always a route that benefits from the blitz. Somebody's uncovered. Somebody's more open than they usually would be because of that blitz. And Brock Purdy is going to need to identify those blitzes all day long and get the ball out quickly. Now, to his to his credit, he doesn't look like he has a problem getting the ball out quickly at all. He I started watching a little bit of his college tape, and 
he's very comfortable just snapping the ball. Like, you know, and he's very accurate on even the smallest plays. How many times have we seen Jimmy Garoppolo miss a guy uh, just like Debo Samuel taking a step back on a screen or George Kittle rolling out into the flat or Debo rolling into the flat? You know, we've seen D- uh, Garoppolo miss those throws a lot, and Purdy seems pretty damn good at it. Like, that guy will just turn and throw, and it'll be right where it needs to be. So I could see the 49ers really trying to stretch out the field um, by kind of taking away that pass rush. I think Kyle Shanahan needs multiple passing options on almost every play that are within 10 yards. You know, you're talking about a guy in the flat. You're talking about a guy at five yards. You could you could easily have like a kind of a flood concept where you got a running back going into the flat. You've got a, a George Kittle running a five-yard out, and you've got Brandon Ayuk or Debo Samuel running like a 10-yard out over the top of that um, or coming back a, against the grain with like a 10-yard in, something like that. There needs to be multiple short options that – take little time to develop for Purdy and and the pass rush that the Bucs are going to be throwing at him. It's not that the Bucs are necessarily a great pass rush, but they're going to be blitzing. They're going to be coming after him, and they've got to have options for him. And another thing I would recommend the 49ers do, and not that my recommendations need to be passed down to the man, but spread that run game out. Move it out to the perimeters. Get Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk involved in the screen game. Get that offensive line bouncing out there, blocking defensive backs. Push the run game outside. Spread that defense out so that it's easier to identify blitzes because of how how much any defender is kind of pushed in against the line. And it just gives him more time. It gives the running running game more space. We know the 49ers are going to run the ball like crazy. It's going to be the Christian McCaffrey and Jordan Mason show. I don't know what to say about Ty Davis Price. I thought that he might start getting his touches, but does he need to get his touches when Jordan Mason is playing how he's playing? I mean, not that he's gotten a ton of work, but against the Dolphins, Jordan Mason got eight carries for 51 yards. That's 6.4 yards a carry. And a lot of those yards came after contact. I've been very impressed with what we've seen in very limited sample size for Mason. So. I think the 49ers are going to try and get him involved. He's the perfect back for stealing the soul of a defense and pounding the rock and and really demoralizing, you know, third and three, Mason gets four type of deal. Um, I, I do think the 49ers are going to use him extensively, but to not to dissuade anybody for thinking that Christian McCaffrey is probably going to be the offensive player of this game if the 49ers win. He's going to be the outlet for Purdy. He's going to be an option on every play. Kyle Shanahan needs to ensure he's an option on every play. You know, some guy that maybe steps in and pass protects for a second, then just bounces out. Let let Purdy kick it out there. And who gives a shit if it gains five yards, four yards? That's a good play. That's what the 49ers are going to need to do against these Bucks. Takes what they can get, drive down the field. If it's a 10-play, uh, you know, eight-minute drive, then you're keeping Tom Brady off the field. You know what I mean? That's That's what it needs to be. Purdy needs to take care of the ball. We know that. Games where Jimmy Garoppolo let the defense have the football are the games they lost. When he took care of the football, they won. It seems like such a common sense stat. But uh, Purdy did something against the Dolphins that I liked. He was in a position where a defender was on him that he didn't expect to be. I think he was rolling it out. The defender immediately crashed up into him. And he could have like tried to fling himself around and throw it. But he just tucked the ball. He did have it with one hand, which was kind of scary. But he just tucked the ball away and went down. You know, and, and and for a young quarterback to know when it's time to do that, 
it's important to me. It's important, you know, not a sack is not great, but a sack is a million times better than a turnover. So just take care of the football and, and take what the defense gives you. My goodness, just work your day way down a field. I've always been blown away how unwilling defenses are to just take like a five yard hitch, you know, and, and keep moving the ball. It, you know, not that that's always available, but Kyle Shanahan needs to set set Brock up with some uh, with some easier stuff. Now, one thing I want to make clear that I Purdy was the last pick of the draft, but that dude started at Iowa State, a Big Twelve program, for four years. That guy has played a lot of football in the course of his college, his four years at Iowa State. Purdy. Threw 1,467 passes, completed 993 of them, that's 67%, for 12,170 yards, 81 touchdowns, and 33 interceptions for a 151.1 quarterback rating. Like this dude has played a ton of football at a high level. In terms of experience, now obviously he doesn't have the intangibles and the athletic traits that Trey Lance is for off the charts. But he has played way more football than Trey Lance. Not that the two need to be compared at all, which I just did, but Purdy is a very experienced quarterback. Very experienced quarterback. So, uh, you know, that doesn't just solve the problem of now you're playing in the NFL as the last draft pick, but it definitely just paints, I think it paints a little bit of a different story than a lot of people are, are, are really thinking of. I mean, this guy has played some serious, serious ball. And uh, I am, uh, I'm looking forward to just seeing what he does with more practice. You know, everybody likes to throw around, oh, well, he'll have a week of practice. Yeah, well, the Bucks will have a week of film study too. So as, as, as much as it does matter that Purdy is about to get a week of practice, defensive coordinators are also going to be preparing to, uh, to counter his every move. So I've always kind of smirked at the comment of, oh, well, and now he'll get a week of practice. He, of course, he will get infinitely more reps and be much better off. But ever for every rep he's taking, there's a defensive coordinator and a defense preparing for him. So that's when the rubber meets the road for a quarterback. Can you take what, can you see what a defense is doing against you and counter it in the middle of a game? I mean, damn. I mean, that's pretty much it. I expect the 49ers defense to get after Tom Brady and the Buccaneers offense. The miss, the the interesting matchup, the game-deciding matchup. I think the 49ers have the edge on defense, but how does Brock Purdy do? How does that offense move the ball against a very stout and competent Buccaneers defense? Uh, the NFC playoff picture, kind of I guess we can leave you with that. The Eagles are up there and at number one. Uh, 11 and 1, Vikings 10 and 2, 49ers leading their division at 8 and 4. They're third in the NFC. The Buccaneers are fourth. Can you believe the 6 and 6 Buccaneers are leading their division? That's what it takes there. Um, and then you've got the Cowboys at 9 and 3, fifth in the NFC. Giants 6 at 7 and 4 and 1. Seahawks seventh at 7 and 5. And then you've got the Commanders bottom of the list. So the 49ers in a good position in the NFC, and if they want to maintain that gap against Seattle, this is a, this is a must-win game. I mean, they to me, in terms of playoff seeding and 
and getting that division, you know, winning that division and securing that home field advantage against, you know, they're really, I mean, if the 49ers can win the division and be in third place, there's only two other teams that they're going to have to travel to face if they work their way to the Eagles or the Vikings. You know, winning these games from here on out, they're all must win for the playoff bound 49ers. And obviously the thing to watch is just how Purdy looks in these types of situations. He looked great against the Dolphins. I am not afraid to say that. He missed some throws, but I was moderately impressed with with Purdy against the Dolphins on a whim, no practice reps, just got out there and just started popping it around the field and made some cool little plays. You know, he's a little bit more athletic than, than Jimmy Garoppolo, a little bit weaker of an arm, not quite as fast as, as a release, but very fast, very punchy, uh, but has a little, like, pep in his step, you know? Like Trent Williams said that he he seemed like a 15-year veteran the way he cares him, carries himself, the way he will correct other players. And that, to me, kind of goes back to what we was just saying. The dude has played a ton of college ball. Let's see what he can do with, like we said, a week of practice against a very solid defense. And I think this game might give us a little bit more of an indication on what we are going to see moving forward from Purdy. And can he sustain this team in the playoffs against elite teams? Man, I understand that losing Garoppolo is, is heartbreaking. It is. And we, you know, we may have lost what this team was truly meant to look like moving forward, but it's still exciting to see somebody like Purdy and what he can do. And that excitement may fade quickly depending on what happens, but you know, still interesting stuff, interesting stuff. All right, guys. Hey, again, Michael Salasis, thank you for uh, representing striking gold uh, in front of the champions club on Dr. Disrespect stream in the arena in front of millions. You know, you're talking about the two-time back-to-back 1993-1994 blockbuster video game champion. Striking gold has infiltrated the Champions Club. I mean, our feet are on the floor, front row seats. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. You guys will realize this at one point if you're not already. But all right, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. I appreciate you. Make sure you're out there downloading the pod, listening to the pod, obviously. Sharing the pod, if you if you can take two minutes out of your time, leave us a positive review on whatever app you are listening to the, the to your podcast. I feel like we we burned it, but y'all know it. you don't know what it is. It's time for me to get out of here. But uh, I offer my never ending appreciation for all of you. It's, it's it's all love. But for another episode, I'm Rob, and you're gonna see me back here after the 49ers game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But for another episode, this is striking gold. We are signing out. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.